From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Oseti Sakowin. It's a name itself sacred for the Sioux in their language. And it means the seven council fires, the seven different Sioux bands historically united by a sacred fire. The last gathering of all seven tribes was 140 years ago. The historic gathering of hundreds of tribes from across North America and their allies at Standing Rock Indian Reservation in resistance to the Dakota Access Pipeline construction under the Missouri River, has captured the world's attention. It has been a resistance marked by violence, resilience, uncertainty, successes. On December 4th, 2016, the Army Corps of Engineers who have jurisdiction over the construction area announced that they would not grant the easement for the Dakota Access Pipeline to build under the river. While this does not mean that the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe's resistance is over, Dapple has said that they're determined to build under it, and so they could build despite the legal consequences or wait for possible legal changes with the new administration. There's still no question that this is a massive legal victory, one worth celebrating for the protectors and their supporters. In this episode, we'll go over the timeline of events that brought us to the December 4th denial of easement, while interspersing some interviews I conducted during my time in Standing Rock this November. July 2014. Dakota Access goes public with their plan to build an 1,800-kilometer pipeline from the back-end oil fields in North Dakota to processing plants in Illinois. The pipeline would cross four states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Illinois, and would carry 570,000 barrels of crude oil per day and cost $3.78 billion U.S. September 2014. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, or USACE, starts to review areas of cultural significance of the site surrounding Standing Rock. After about 250 meetings, they conclude that no historic properties are affected. The Sioux Tribes and the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation, or ACHP, dispute that finding. February 7, 2014. USACE sends a letter to the Tribal Historic Preservation Office, THPO, initiating the permitting process. In accordance with the National Historic Preservation Act, Section 106, the corpse is required to consult with the interested tribes on the pipeline's potential impact. THPO responds requesting a full archaeological investigation. THPO sends follow-up letters on February 25 and again on April 8th, which allegedly go unreturned. Hi, so I'm here with um, Elder Cedric Goodhouse. Do you mind telling me about your Standing Rock experience? I live here. So it's been a lifetime experience for me. When I first heard about this proposal that was being made back in February 26th. I was at a meeting and I asked uh, after the after the meeting I asked uh, our chairman Dave Archambeau if he would come to our community and let the people know what, what was happening. 29th he came to our community. That was a Monday. February 29th. He told us what was going to happen. Part of what he said is that he didn't know that this was going to happen. That was our first prayer. Uh, we needed to pray for our our leaders because our leaders, if they didn't know what was going to happen, we needed to give them strength, pray for their strength, their courage, wisdom, all these things that they that they need to make the decisions that we're going to need in, in the future. And the other thing is that our people were concerned. 
in 48s. So uh, we called uh, the Sichongo relatives and asked them to help us. And they gave me information as to uh, who, who they had for ceremony. So we, we contacted that person and we had ceremony by that Friday. So March 4th, we had, we had, we had a ceremony. And through that, we, had, we were given our initial spiritual direction of what we should do. So that's, that's where, where we started from. Uh, and, and it just, just blossomed after that. The camp was established. They were having, started having runs, horseback rides, motorcycle rides, going to different communities and, and letting them know what's happening, uh, getting reaching out further to letting other people uh, know what's going on. And it just, it just kept going. And part of, our, part of that prayer was that we, we sent it to the heavens and into the four directions. And that energy is what we, we see here yet today. Uh, in terms, it's almost indescribable um, because there's a lot of emotion in there. So people, it's hard for people to describe exactly what's going on, but it's the energy that is, that it, it's in defense of our life forces, uh, air, land, and water. This one is water. We, we probably live in some of the most uh, third world conditions on reservation, but we put down all these political fights and all these other fights to take this up because something that affects everybody. This one knows no color. So we see that energy reaching, reaching every, every person, every, every race of man, uh, and, and, and raising their consciousness about, about uh, protection of water. That's what you see going on here right now. Is the result of the, that prayer, that initial prayer. If you ask, see, listen to some people, they tell you that they they uh, come here and they had a dream about this place, or or there's you know some other reason they were driven to be here. So this this tells us this is that indescribable energy that has reached out that was God given that brought people here to to stand with us in this fight against uh, the threat against our water. Number 15, 2015. A second form letter from the USAs finally arrives, asking once more if the tribal chairman would like to consult on the pipeline project. Again, the THPO responds, underscoring concerns about significant and unevaluated properties on the site and its exclusion from the National Historic Preservation Act evaluation process. The Tribal Historic Preservation Office concludes that it has become clear that the corpse is attempting to circumvent the Section 106 process. October 25, 2015. Dakota Access writes to 21 tribes to set up a formal consultations on the pipeline. December 9th. The Army Corps of Engineers launches an environmental assessment on the Dakota Access Pipeline project. It states, the Standing Rock Tribal Historic Preservation Office has indicated to Dakota Access Pipeline that the Lake Oahu site avoided impacts to tribally significant sites. The Corps eventually receives critical letters on the assessment from the Environmental Protection Agency, the U.S. Department of Interior, and the American Council on Historical Preservation. 
Other tribes whose ancestral lands are slated to be crossed by the pipeline voice their concerns, including the Osage Nation and the Iowa Tribe, Tribe Historic Preservation Office, who wrote to the ACHP, We have not been consulted in an appropriate manner by the presence of traditional cultural properties, sites, or landscapes vital to our identity and spiritual well-being. Dakota Access LLC announces it has received approval from the North Dakota Public Service Commission, giving three of the necessary four states approvals to move forward with the project. March 11, 2016. Iowa Utilities Board unanimously approves the pipeline, making Iowa the fourth and final state to okay the plan. On the same day, the Environmental Protection Agency sends a letter to the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to perform another environmental assessment of the project. On April 1st, members of the Standing Rock Dakota Sioux ride on horseback to protest the pipeline's location and set up on the bank of the Canamaw River, the Sacred Stone Prairie Camp. April 22, 2016. Despite registering major concerns in the Section 106 evaluation process and stated misgivings from the American Council of Historic Properties, the Corps concludes the investigation, finding that no historic properties are affected. April 29, 2016. The Standing Rock Sioux petitioned the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and demand a more thorough environmental impact study of the site. April 29, 2016. USAIS holds a public for- forum in Mobridge, South Dakota, for Native Americans to speak out about the pipeline. There is near-unanimous opposition to the project. On July 25th, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers accepts the final environmental assessment from Dakota Access Pipeline and, through issuing Permit 12, approves three easements for the water crossings in South Dakota, Iowa, and Illinois, and North Dakota through the ancestral site for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, Lake Oahe. On July 27, 2016, attorneys for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe filled an official court of complaint or injunction against USACE, seeking an emergency stop to all construction. On August 4, 2016, the Standing Rock Sioux, represented by Earth Justice, filed an injunction suing the Army Corps of Engineers and asking the court to compel the corps to withdraw Permit 12. August 10th, the Oseti Sakawin camp is first set up, north of the pipeline construction site and off Highway 1806. At this point, around 250 are gathered in resistance to the pipeline. On August 11th, the first arrests take place, with the protectors attempting to block the construction and gravel access from the highway. Morton County Sheriff Kyle Kirchmere said that the protesters were not staying within bounds set by law enforcement and getting in the way of surveyors working on the pipeline. So what's your name? My name is Martina Gothier, and I'm a member of the Menominee Nation of Wisconsin, and I also have Ho-Chunk relatives and affiliation in Wisconsin. Okay, and um, could you talk about your experience with uh, volunteering at the Lego Info Tent and other experiences you want to share here? Yes. Um, I am an attorney licensed in New Mexico. However, I'm currently at home working for my tribe in Wisconsin. I was a tribal judge for three years and now I am a criminal prosecutor. And I have chosen to come here and use my training, my passion, my uh, education to help out people who are arrested and who are unfamiliar with things like constant uh, surveillance of the airplanes. They're not here right now, which is kind of scary almost. And uh, what we do here, at what, what I do as a volunteer here as part of the legal collective is I help to process um, jail, they call them jail intake forms, which is um, protectors who are going to the front lines who may be incarcerated. Um, they are giving their personal information, um, writing the jail numbers somewhere on their body, so in case they're um, strip searched or take, have everything taken, at least they have the contact number for the collective. Also, um, personal information if they need medicine or who we should call if they do end up in jail. 
Um, that's the real basic. And also taking testimony or documenting human rights violations um, against freedom of speech, personal sovereignty, and just gross human rights violations. There are other people who do uh, legal observation that do go to the front lines. However, I am choosing to stay here and support Angela on the ground. I also brought uh, supplies and nourishing food for the volunteers. When the um, individuals come in, they are in a traumatized state. Um, it is very traumatic. You can feel a real atmosphere of fear at the front lines. And so to bring someone here, um, we try to provide them with a safe space, prayerful space, a respectful space, and give them something to drink, give them something to eat, and just ask them to share their experiences with us um, to build the record. We are building a record, and we need um, people to speak their truth, to come here and be unafraid to speak up and, and tell us what exactly they saw happening to themselves or, or their other fellow human beings. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? If you are able to do anything at all, direct action or um, action-wise, you know your local officials. Watch what's happening in your area. Watch your water. Protect your water because once that's gone, that's the end of life. So it's it's truly that important to us, all of us. August twelfth. Six more people are arrested, including Standing Rock Tribal Chair Dave Artambolt, for blockading the entrance to the construction site. August 15, Morton County Commission Chairman signs an emergency declaration. August 16, DAPL issues restraining orders against the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe Eds. August 22, 2016, Morton County Commission meets over civil unrest. Greg Wills, Division Director of Homeland Security, orders the removal of state-owned water tanks and trailers that had been providing camps with drinking water. During a court hearing, pipeline officials claim the project is already 48% complete. August 24, 2016, Judge Boesberg holds a hearing on the motion in Washington, D.C. The Standing Rock Sioux say that because portions of the pipeline go beneath Lake Oahe, the project could threaten the environmental quality and sacred nature of the water. Boesberg indicated that he would rule in roughly two weeks. Emergency International sends a delegation to Standing Rock. August 25, 2016. USIS choose the final fast-track permit, Permit 12, needed to continue pipeline construction in the 200-odd sites across four states in question. The final environmental assessment concludes that there will be no direct or indirect impacts. September 2, 2016. The Sounding Rock Sioux submit evidence of historically and religiously important stone features and graves in an area and right next to the pipeline's proposed right-of-way. Tim Mentz, a former tribal historic officer, describes it as one of the most significant archaeological finds in North Dakota in many years. On September 3, 2016, less than 24 hours after the evidence of his important historical site is submitted, Dakota Access bulldozers plow through the sacred site. Jan Hasselman, attorney for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, says, We're days away from getting a resolution on the legal issues, and they came in on a holiday weekend and destroyed the site. Protectors march from the nearby camp to private land after bulldozers began preparing the site, even while there is a legal construction halt. Private security forces unleash attack dogs and mace. Six are bitten and 30 are pepper sprayed. A Democracy Now! film crew led by Amy Goodman films the incident. I remember seeing the video on Facebook, and this is when the issue of disproportionate response of the police really started to come to my attention, and worldwide attention as well. All this happened on the anniversary of the White Horse Massacre, a day in 1863 when the U.S. Army killed more than 300 members of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe.
here to stand with my brothers and sisters in time of need. We have to stand. If we don't stand, how are we going to kill the black snake that's destroying our sacred lands and destroying our relatives that have been buried for hundreds of years? We've been depressed for over 500 years from this government that we that's here. So that's why I'm here, to stand with my brothers and sisters of all tribes. I was uh, taking care of my mom down in Florida, and I seen this on live feed on Facebook, and I'm like, nope, time to go. Okay, you made that decision. Oh, yeah. Two weeks ago, right? Yep. And how has your experience been? What have you been up to? Excellent. Doing a lot of things. Doing things that we used to do back when we were, your, when we were first here. And I'm enjoying it so much better. Get away from the grime and get away from everybody. Come back to our nat natural our natural ways. So. You tell me that you're um, a fire tender. Can you tell me what that entails? A uh, firekeeper is to make sure that this fire stays lit at all times. Never goes out. We we stay up. It never goes out. Sometimes we have 13 hours, 14 hour shifts, but. We're honored. I'm very honored to do this for our relatives. And we just lit the seventh fire of our tribes. Just more sacred now than anything else. Where we got, I don't know, maybe 200, 250 tribes here standing as one, one voice, one people. September 6th. Judge James Bosberg allows construction to continue in an area west of Lake Oahe, where the burial grounds are, and orders a halt to construction on the area east of Lake Oahe. September 9th, the court denies the tribe's motion for a preliminary injunction. Minutes later, three federal agencies, the Department of Justice, Department of the Army, and Department of the Interior, issue a joint statement announcing that the federal agencies will halt any additional permitting and reconsider its past permits of the project. The statement states that while it appreciates the court's review, the government believes that the tribe has raised some important issues worthy of additional consideration. It also called for a national review of the government's approach to tribal consultation for major fossil fuel projects. On September 13th, the American Society of Archaeology writes a critical letter to the Army Corps about how they handled the Standing Rock review. Energy Transfer Partners, the parent company to Dakota Access LLC, pens a letter to their employees that the company is committed to completing the project. They cited that the pipeline was 60% complete and they had already spent $1.6 billion on equipment, materials, and workforce thus far. And during a direct action involving lo locking themselves to construction equipment, 20 are arrested, including journalists who are specifically targeted. September 16, 2016. The Army Corps grants the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe a camp, a special use permit, allowing the tribe to gather in lawful free speech demonstration. U.S. District Court judge dissolves the temporary restraining order against the Standing Rock Sioux officials. September 20th, 2016, Dave R. asked members of the United Nations Human Rights Commission to condemn the deliberate destruction of our sacred places. A demonstration takes place to free those at Morton County Jail. On October 5th, the Federal Court of Appeals hears arguments against Dakota Access Pipeline. On the evening of October 9, 2016, a federal appeals court denies the tribe's appeal of the September 9th ruling by, by Judge James Bosberg to halt all pipeline construction. In response, Dave Archambault says, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe is not backing out from this fight. We are guided by prayer and we will continue to fight for our people. We will not rest until our lands, people, waters, and sacred places are permanently protected from this destructive pipeline.
October 10th, actress Shailene Woodley and 28 others are arrested on Indigenous Peoples Day during peaceful demonstration. The Department of Justice, the Interior, the Army issued a second joint statement, again refusing to authorize construction permits and requesting that ETP cease construction voluntarily. Energy Transfer Partners chooses to go ahead with construction anyway. On October 23rd, water protectors, according to the 1851 Fort Laramie Treaty, create a new camp and establish a road blockade. Four water protectors lock themselves to equipment, delaying construction on the code access pipeline for over seven hours. During daytime hours on October 27, 2016, law enforcement officials from Morton County Sheriff's Department moved into evict protesters from the treaty camp, the one established in the bounds of the Treaty of Fort Laramie and dismantled a roadblock which placed a state highway out of use. The heavily armed officers surrounded protectors and used pepper spray, tear gas, and a sand cannon to disperse the crowd. Morton County Sheriff's Department reported that 141 protectors had been arrested. October 27, 2016, over 300 indigenous youth occupy Hillary Clinton's headquarters, asking for a statement on Sending Rock situation. October 31, 2016, Facebook users began checking in at Sending Rock Reservation in an attempt to confuse law officials after posts circulated claiming police were using Facebook to target protesters. Police respond by saying that they do not track Facebook check-ins. November 1st, Obama issues the first statement regarding Dakota Access Pipeline and says that the Army Corps of Engineers is considering an alternate route for Dakota Access Pipeline. On November 2nd, water protectors crossing river to sacred burial site to pray are met with rubber bullets and pepper spray. And Seattle introduces legislation to end relationship with Wells Fargo, an investor in the pipeline. November 3rd, over 500 clergy gather in prayer on Cannonball Bridge, denouncing the 1493 Doctrine of Discovery. November 6th, the protectors host a prayer and forgiveness walk. November 8, 2016, Energy Transfer says it has built up to the border of Lake Oahe, reaffirming its commitment to complete the pipeline. That's about the action today. Okay, uh, so around, I guess around 2 o'clock we finally left, and the action was to block a couple different highways. And uh, basically, because it's Veterans Day, you know, police force and any security force is going to be paying a time and a half. So our idea was really to help use up some of their resources and deplete some of their resources. And so we just blocked the road. And, um, and we, I think we probably were there for about three hours. So... Um, that's the first time I've seen riot police for both of us, you know, and they do their very much intimidation, hoo-ha, hoo-ha thing as they are rocking down the street. And the idea was really not to get arrested, not to deplete, deplete any of our resources, but to deplete theirs and their time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was an effective action, you know, like nobody got seriously hurt. Um, we managed to, yeah, we managed to peacefully blockade the highway. On November 14, 2016, the Department of the Interior and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers announced that they will delay a final decision on permitting until further consultation with the tribes. On November 15th, Energy Transfer Partners files a lawsuit against the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, claiming that the Corps has no right to delay easement to pipeline construction. It is also the National Day of Action. There are over 250 actions in 43 states. Bernie Sanders joins in the demonstration outside the White House. On November 18th, Energy Transfer says it will not reroute the pipeline. On the night of November 20th, as protectors attempt to remove a highway blockade, the Morton County Sheriff's Department deploy water cannons, tear gas, rubber bullets, and concussion grenades. 20 are hospitalized for serious injuries, including hypothermia. One woman's retina is damaged after a rubber bullet hits her face, and another woman faces possible amputation of her arm after being hit with a concussion grenade. 
November 23, 2016, Wesley Clark Jr. and Michael Wood Jr. organized an event for veterans to come to Sending Rock on December 4th. Jason, how long have you been here? Uh, about two, two and a half months, almost three months now. You know, I'm a half-breed native as well as being a veteran, and so we just saw everything wrong with the situation and needed to stand with these people. experienced a lot of uh, cops and National Guard breaking all of the oaths that they took and, and all of the federal laws that are in place for, and the state and local laws that are in place to protect the citizens and their rights to free speech and uh, freedom of religion and so forth. It's It's been one atrocity after another that shows that the 500 years of genocide is unfortunately not over and racism is very alive and well and, and festering to a boiling point here in this country today. And, and those people that don't want that to happen are are graciously showing us in every way from donations of whatever they can to actually showing up here and, and smiling with us and eating with us and becoming friends and relatives and letting us meet the rest of our family from different races. It's a very beautiful thing. And I, I hope that people at home on their couch, they start to understand that we're not doing this for just ourselves. It's everybody's kids in the next two or three generations that this is actually going to affect it's not just a, a red baby or a yellow baby or a white baby or a black baby it's every baby it's everybody's children you know that's on this continent that this oil when it breaks and goes into the water that it will affect on November 25th, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers orders water protectors with possible arrests if they don't evacuate their camps by December 5th. Dave Archambault and other protest organizers make it clear that they intend to stay. Five days after the clash at the bridge, as a support of the cause, this evacuation order seemed very disheartening, and it was definitely a low point in the timeline of events. Also on November 25th, Odin Fund Management, a Norwegian bank, divests from the pipeline. On November 27th, the Army Corps of Engineers say they have no plans to forcibly remove activists. On November 28th, North Dakota governor issues an executive order for the expulsion of activists to safeguard against harsh winter conditions. This is interpreted to mean that attempts to deliver supplies will be met with roadblocks and $1,000 fines. December 4th, about 2,000 U.S. veterans, part of the group Veterans Stand for Standing Rock, convene at the, at the site to support the Standing Rock Sioux with the idea of giving protectors a break. And, as you know, on December 4th, this is when the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers announces their denial of easement. The sacred fire at Osadi Sakhalin Camp, which has been alight since the beginning, after December 4th was ceremonially put out by the elders, seeing it as their prayers are being answered. A new ceremonial fire has been lit, and it's at the camp now called Oseti Oyate. So the situation at Sending Rock is far from over. Dave Archambault has said that the fight will move to the courts now, and there's also movements to continue banks and individuals to divest from the pipeline. You may be wondering, why say water protectors this whole time rather than protesters? I believe it's part of the dismantling of a toxic us versus them narrative. One that has evidently polarized the US and the world. It's part of how when Martin County Police Department asks the public for their prayers, the elders offer it to them. 
or how the Standing Rock medics healed security forces as well as injured water protectors. Jason the Vet mentioned to me that his non-native pro-pipeline friend is the one who gave him the ride to Standing Rock because he disagreed with the violation of the treaty. And, you know, as Jason says, it's everyone's babies affected. He also mentioned to me that in the confrontation with the police, he could tell the police was just someone doing his job, had a family just like him. The exceptionally peaceful, prayerful, and loving nature of the camp is something that will stay with me for a while. I wasn't surprised that many people said that they didn't want to leave. That's the kind of sustaining force that enables the movement to be so strong. Regardless of what the outcome is, it's clear that uh, Standing Rock has been an example for the indigenous rights movement and the environmental movements as we move forward in this uncertain era of our time. Terra Informa is a production of CGSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at terra at cgsr.com or tweet us at Terra Informa. I've been your host, Dasmi Anishat, and we'll catch you next week.